It's March 14th, and today on Locked On Twins, we're going to break down the rest of the AL Central. Who are the pretenders? Who are the contenders? So sit tight, buckle up, because that's coming up now on Locked On Twins, your team every day. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello again, everyone. It is a beautiful evening here on Locked On Twins, part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E-N. Today, we are going to take a look at the rest of this division and what I expect to see from them. Now, I first of all kind of broke down how many wins I thought the Twins would get on our uh, maiden voyage here on Locked On Twins after taking the show back over. So I won't talk about the Twins specifically outside of how I think they will match up against some of these teams. So we'll tackle the first time around, we'll do the pretenders. Second time around, we'll do contenders. And then we'll wrap up with your questions as we've done here for the last few days. Now, again, we'll talk about the rest of the division. This is coming up in front of, um, I'll be going on with the Locked On Guardians crew later this week, possibly as soon as Wednesday to do a little cross-promotional work, kind of like when the Flintstones and the Jetsons met, if that (laughs) resonates with listeners of a certain age. So, um, again, as a reminder, please be engaged in the comments if you can. Love to have a conversation with you there. Um, You know, I'll hang out there. You ask me questions, I'll ask you questions. And we'll end every show with a question to kind of chew on in the comments. Secondly, and before we move on to our discussion of the day if you have any questions you'd like answered feel free to give them to me twitter email if you have my email address however i will do my best to answer them in a timely fashion and again third third segment of the show at least until the regular season is going to be taken up with answering questions today's sponsor this show today is brought to you by this is a new one too um ultimate baseball gm so this is a new game that just came out. If you've ever dreamed of being a baseball GM and managing a franchise, this game is for you. It, it really is. Uh, to download it, you just visit ultimatebaseballgm.com or look it up in the app stores. Um, I looked it up on my Apple, uh, my iPhone, found it right away, super easy. Um, our listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in all caps. Uh, their tagline is your franchise, your dynasty. And when I pulled up the game and started playing on it, it was already incredible how in-depth it is. I've played, and probably to my peril, a lot of mobile sports games, and some of them have been just incredibly addicting from the get-go. And I can already tell that's going to be the case here with Ultimate Baseball GM. So I would definitely recommend checking it out. And again, uh, free boost, 100% to your franchise when you use the promo code Locked On. All one word, all in ca- or all in caps. So uh, again, your franchise, your dynasty. I want to hear how some of your teams are doing in these things. So uh, download that for sure. All right. In the first segment tonight, we'll talk about what I deem to be the pretenders in the AL Central. And it, I'm not exactly um, shaking up new territory here by saying that I don't think these two teams are particularly good. The other thing, too, is I don't know 
how they'll differentiate themselves from each other. They're not teams that are similar if you match them up head-to-head necessarily, but they both are on a similar path or a similar attempt to return to relevance, and they're at similar stages, I think, in their evolutions, but they've also hit some of the bumps that have been, let's just say that the Twins hit along the way to contention um, you know, in the last 10-ish years to get to the point where for a while there, they were really good, 2019, 2020, and now it's kind of uh, up in the air again. Um, so obviously, uh, we'll talk about the Royals first. I shouldn't say obviously, because the Royals and the Tigers, to me, are awfully similar. And I I, I have the projections from Fangraphs, Baseball Prospectus, is Pakoda, and then I have what I think each of these teams are going to do. And then, too, let's talk about um, you know de- depth charts and what we like about these teams. So we'll start with, uh, I believe I had Kansas City pulled up first. And so we look at their depth chart. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. leading off, MJ Melendez, Salvador Perez, Vinny Pasquantino, Hunter Dozier, Kyle Isbell, Edward Olivares, Michael Massey, and Nate Eaton is the projected go-to starting lineup against right-handed pitching. This is coming from Fangraph's roster resource, just a tremendous resource to keep up with what teams are up to, who's hurt, who's healthy, and that sort of thing. Um, that often seems decent enough. Nobody's going to get on base, though, and that's that's my primary issue. Pasquantino, he seems to be the only one with any real potential for on-base percentage. They should play good defense. Michael Massey is going to be interesting at second base. And I really like um, this guy's projected to make the roster, Samad Taylor. Uh, when the Twins were looking to trade Jose Barrios, and I was kind of checking out the farm system of the Blue Jays at the time, Taylor was a guy that I kept coming back to, had good plate discipline. Um, just the Again, you shouldn't scout the stat sheet, but he had numbers on the stat sheet that I was like, oh, I want to see more of this guy. Um, yeah, so I, I really am interested to see what he does. Uh, Fran Mil Reyes is a perfectly reasonable dart throw for a team that doesn't have any plans of contending. Uh, so the, both, the the bench is fairly interesting with Nicky Lopez, who's obviously an incredible defensive player, not much of a hitter. Um, but Bobby Witt Jr. settling in at short full-time, no more Mondesi to, to contend with for what it was worth. Um, the offense is okay, not that interesting. Um, the starting staff is just kind of all over the place. I mean, Zach Greinke probably started on opening day against the Twins. He's 39 and a half. He's more interesting off the field than on it, but he's going to give you a, a good effort every time out, and he can still outthink you on the mound even if he's throwing 84. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Other than that, I like Brady Singer, um, you know, kind of like a baby-faced assassin who's working his way back, uh, or working his way into the mix as a mid-rotation starter. Um, Brad Keller, you know, has interesting enough stuff, just hasn't really clicked for him. Uh, Jordan Lyles, you know, veteran guy, a lot of, uh, it's like going out and getting a Kyle Gibson type. Not, nobody's going to get super excited about it, but it's just, you know, Lyles is a solid pitcher. Um, and then Ryan Yarbrough is non-tendered by the, Tampa Bay Rays, and you know he's had some good stretches. He's had some stretches where he couldn't get anybody out, and you know he's a soft tossing lefty. So who knows really what to make of that? So uh, the rotation again uninspiring. Um, I like Scott Barlow out in the bullpen. Kind of feels like a guy who a year from now or or six months from now is going to be playing for somebody else. But uh, you know we'll see. Big time strikeout numbers. He's going to be their closer. Um, beyond that, Dylan Coleman is interesting. 
I still like Amir Garrett and Josh Stamont as far as their stuff. I don't know if they can execute, though. Uh, and Araldus Chapman is what he is. I mean, at this point, maybe he'll get some saves. And I think we all know the, the goal there is that he pitches well enough to get them a prospect, which, honestly, um, good for them. I'm saying that in the most uninspired way imaginable. Imaginable. So when I look at this team, I see basically the 2013 Twins. Um, not that exciting. On the path to something, maybe. But again, pretty uninspiring. Uh, Fangraph says 73 wins. Baseball Prospectus and Bakota says 64. I'm landing at 68. So 68 and 94 for your Kansas City Royals. For the Tigers, let's dive into these Tigers and, and what we like and don't like about these Tigers. Again, pull up the depth chart from Roster Resource. And you're looking at Riley Green in center. Interesting prospect there. Nick Maton at third. Javier Baez at short. Austin Meadows in right. Old friend Jonathan Scope at second. Kerry Carpenter at DH. You have uh, Spencer Torkelson at first. Akil Badu in left. And Jake Rogers in right. So for whatever reason, they list Miguel Cabrera on the bench. Uh, I don't really know what to make of that. He'll probably be a part-time player. Uh, maybe even platooning with Carpenter at DH, who's a lefty. Um, Eric Haas off the bench. Also fairly interesting. Uh, has some pop, especially against, uh, I believe, left-handed pitching. So uh, that lineup's not going to scare anybody. Again, you kind of get a 2013 Twins vibe in that you got a really good player um, who's not who they used to be in Javier Baez compared to like a Joe Maurer back in those days. Um, I'm really eager to see how Austin Meadows comes out of dealing with injuries and then some, uh, some mental health stuff because he's – he's a darn good player when he's right. And, you know, you've seen guys go through stuff and then their career doesn't come back full swing. Steven's Steven Piscotty comes to mind. Um, Cardinals prospect A's. he was with the A's for a while and, and just recently signed somewhere on a minor league deal. Um, might've been the reds. I'm not sure, but uh, guy who's guys who, whose careers kind of get away from them for reasons that are beyond their control. And you never want to see that. So, I'm really hoping Austin Meadows can get back and get going and, um, you know, have a nice year playing play right field for the Tigers. The last report I saw was that he was feeling and, and looking pretty good. Um, you know, the, this offense will probably hinge on Spencer Torkelson and Akil Badu taking steps forward. Um, Badu's still only 24. He won't turn 25 till the season has started. So still plenty of time for him to get back to his uh, his rookie year glory. The rotation, though, is a little more interesting for Detroit. So you got Eduardo Rodriguez, who I have been one of the high men on for um, most of the time that I've known he's a big leaguer. I, I've always thought the stuff was there. The results were not. And I just figured it would take the right situation. I don't know if Detroit's that situation, but I'm curious to see now that he's got things kind of back on track too. He had some a stretch there where he wasn't healthy and was away from the team as well. Um, speaking of not healthy, Matthew Boyd, another – lefty whose talent I really, really like uh, coming. I mean, you say full circle, he was drafted by the, the Jays, but you know, his career really got going with the Tigers um, dealt with some arm stuff. Now he's back with them and, you know, we'll see. Um, it's always hard to know how many innings you're going to get out of a guy like that, whether it's 120, 180, 150 or whatever. And so it's hard to plan. Um, 
but he'll be interesting. Matt Manning, you know, another big time prospect, first round pick. And then Spencer Turnbull, again, injuries. We'll see where he's at, but he can certainly help you if he's right. But we keep we keep going back to injuries. Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal, um, both on the shelf. Skubal had flexor tendon surgery in August of last year, and Casey Mize coming off Tommy John during basically midseason last year. That's true. That's 40% of a pretty good rotation. I don't know if they'd be your one, two, your three, four, your two, three, whatever. But what I keep coming back to is like I know they have Riley Green, I know they have Spencer Torkelson, but this is the risk of a rebuild with a lot of pitching at the core of it. So, again, I come back to this team, and Fangraphs says 72. Baseball Prospectus says 65. I say 68 wins, just like the Royals. So um, they're one-off Fangraphs, Baseball Prospectus in each direction, and the average for me comes out much the same. I think they both win 68 games and are holy wholly uninspiring um but those are your your al central pretenders um let's do this let's come back let's talk about the contenders because there's some fun teams that the twins are going to contend with fun might be the wrong word but um i'm really eager to break down the last two teams so uh let's take a second and talk about Pro Baseball GM, the .com, which is the app we told you about earlier, Ultimate Baseball GM. Um, if you download that again, 100% free boost to your franchise when you use the promo code LOCKED ON in all caps. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it at the bottom of your screen, or you can scan the QR code to my uh, left, right? I don't know what you'd call it. it. On the screen, it's to my right. So, yeah, probaseballgm.com or look it up in the app stores, caps, uh, all caps locked on in the game store. Get yourself a 100% free boost. I'll tell you this much, that 100% free boost will come in handy. So hammer that uh, that code, download the game, and then apologize to your, your friends and family because you are going to be busy knee-deep in this game because it's it's absolutely fantastic. So again, that is Ultimate Pro Baseball GM and in all caps, locked on in the game store and um, enjoy. Now, the contenders in this division, and I, I think based on the fact that I had said the Twins would win 92 games, you kind of get the sense that these are the teams I think will be in contention with the Twins. Um, so for the twins, I say 92 baseball prospectus is a little higher than Fangraphs. They say 88 Fangraphs says 83. Um, I'm just, I'm up on the twins. I think the depth is good and I'll, we'll talk plenty about the twins every single day for the rest of eternity. So, uh, you'll know where I stand on the twins without any doubt, uh, or skepticism. So with that said, uh, you, you know, you'll you'll be able to tell where I think the Twins will finish based on how we proceed here in the rest of this program. Um, the White Sox are the team that I think will be a next up in the division. Um, Fangraph says 80 wins. Baseball Prospectus says, um, I believe it said 78. I think I wrote it down wrong and said 88. Um, I say 78. So I feel like what they do this year could be awfully similar to what the Twins did last year. I just, I'm not high on them. I'm not the high man on the White Sox. I'm probably the low man. Um, 
when I listen to this lineup, I guess I just I don't get that excited. Uh, top to bottom, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Andrew Benintendi, Eloy Jimenez, Yoan Mancada, Andrew Vaughn, Yasmani Grandal, Oscar Colas, uh, non-roster invitee prospect that they're pretty excited about. Uh, might get some time in right. And then Elvis Andrews at second um, brought him back. I like that pickup of Andrews. That's a sneaky good pickup. Um, if the Twins hadn't signed Carlos Correa, I thought he might be a fit for them at short. But, um, you know, Twins didn't have to go down that road, and I think they're glad they didn't. Um, this this offense, it's definitely a step above the pretenders. And honestly, uh, the potential here is to be exceptionally good. Um, Andrew Benintendi gives him a little bit different of a, a look in terms of someone who can actually get on base. Whereas Tim Anderson's kind of a free swinger. Luis Roberts, kind of a free swinger. Eloy Jimenez, kind of a free swinger. Um, you know, Mankata's got pretty good discipline. Andrew Vaughn's fairly good. That's what Yasmani Grandal is known for. So there's a, there's a definite riff, rift in between the two parts of the lineup and what they're going to be capable of. But um, this has potential to be a very solid offense. Per- perfectly decent uh their bench is sebi zavala gavin sheets jake berger and Luri garcia again this is from roster resource on Fangraphs. um pretty inoffensive infield backups and all that stuff um your natural backup at shorts andrews who will be on the field already but uh, berger had a nice offensive year last year kind of mixing and matching at third base um Luri garcia you just can't kill him the guy's been around forever and whoever's managing this team seems to want to get him out there. It's a very um, Ron Gardenhire, Nick Punto relationship as far as I can see it. Uh, on offense, I mean, I see the potential for a top three to five offense in the American League. Um, but there are some questions. You know, does Yasmani Grandal have anything left? Does Andrew Vaughn take a next step? How do they replace Jose Abreu? Which is, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big question. Uh, one through five, the rotation is is solid. Dylan Cease, uh, Lance Lynn, and Lucas Giolito kind of have something to prove after last year. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Mike Clevenger. It just seems like a situation that went from uh, bad to worse. And I know the MLB is not suspending him, but, you know, he said and did some things, burning bridges with uh, radio affiliates and that sort of thing. That I'm just, I'm just curious how this pans out. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. Certainly not saying it's going to be good, but... Um, the situation had a certain element of toxicity to it before um, very, very early in the process, let's just say. And then Michael Kopech as the fifth starter, that's kind of the guy I'm watching this year. Um, he'll be 27 very early in the season. He's, he's barely thrown 200 big league innings. The stuff is so good that you shouldn't expect a mid four, four and a half ERA, but the velos dropped. The strikeouts weren't there. The walks were last year. And so I, I think it's a it's a solid rotation, possibly very good, but there's just a lot of question marks. I mean, you can't outside of Dylan Cease, each one of those guys has a question mark in some form or fashion. Now, if you get the very best of Lance Lynn and the very best of Lucas Giolito, and Michael Kopech maybe takes another half step forward, then this is probably a top three rotation in the American League. But Lance Lynn's 35. He's going to be 36 very soon. If he doesn't take that step back, it won't be that surprising. And that's a big hit because he's a bulldog. You know, he's six innings a night, fastball after fastball after fastball, doesn't walk anybody. Um, Again, just that bulldog mentality. He's the glue because 
if you know Lucas Giolito should be solid. He may not be great, but he should, probably shouldn't be bad either. He's just he knows how to pitch. He knows who he is as a pitcher at this point. And I think so. You can count on seats to be good, and then after that, um, there's a lot of pivot points where this rotation can really take a jump or a dive. And right now, I don't really know where I stand on that. But um, let's slide down to the bullpen here. Uh, when I look at the bullpen, I, I really like Kendall Gro- Graveman. Sorry, um, Aaron Bummer's good. Joe Kelly has his moments uh, where he's really good or really bad. Reynaldo Lopez kind of did like a Griffin Jacks kind of thing where he went from uninspiring starter to very good reliever. I love Jake Diekman from the left side. He's absolutely nasty. And then basically they round out their bullpen the way they always do with a, a few guys who throw smoke and have not a, not as much idea where it's going as you'd like. Um, obviously, the two two difficult issues here are Garrett Crochet had Tommy John. Um, you know, when's he going to be back? He's coming up on a year here in April. And, you know, will he start? Will he relieve? Um, is he going to get to a point where he actually can start and stay healthy? Um, you know, it's, it's a legit question for a guy that went 11th overall. And then with Liam Hendricks, obviously, uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, no idea when he's going to come back or what that's going to look like. All you can really do is pray and hope for the best because, uh, great dude. I, I got to know during his time with the twins and, um, basically the template for a guy like Griffin Jacks, you know? You, you take your lumps starting and you never give up and you throw the crap out of the ball, come out of the bullpen and good things happen. So, you know, we're, we're pulling for Liam. Doesn't matter what color socks you wear. doesn't co- matter uh, who you used to play for, who you play for now. Hopefully it gets better and hopefully he's punching out hitters on that mound here uh, in, in real short order. So um, if we went over the wins again, we'll just say this, uh, fan graphs says 80 baseball perspective, 78. And I said 78 for your white Sox. So that brings us to the number two team in the AL central. And I think it's the guardians. I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't feel the love for them. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with Bo Naylor, number one prospect catcher. They really only have house of cards, Mike Zunino in front of him who's coming off thoracic outlet. So no idea if he's healthy enough to catch every day or, you know, four times a week. And when does Naylor get up there? Naylor's going to push his way through. He's having, a, as far as I recall, a pretty good world baseball classic. Um, with that said, Josh Naylor annoys the crap out of me with how clutch he was last year. Do I really want more of that in my life? I don't know. Um, so what I do like about, them it looks like i closed out a roster resource for some stupid reason there we go um what i do like is that they seem to have like a never-ending stream of like pretty solid pitchers now now they had Corey kluber um shane bieber has been better before he's he's a little bit in transition um but they always seem to turn out just solid mid-rotation or better starters tristan mckenzie Cal Quantrill, Aaron Savali, Zach Plesak all have pitched at some point like a number two or three starter. And they just have more and more and more of these guys coming up. You just, you scroll down their depth chart. You got Xavion Curry, Joey Cantillo, Jason Bylas, Connor Pilkington, all these guys, um, Logan Allen, Peyton Battenfield, um, Tanner Bibby, Gavin Williams. Some of these guys are top 10 in the organization. And, and even if they're not, you just, 
you know it's a guy who's going to come up. He's going to strike out seven and a half per nine, have like a 3.8 to 4.2 ERA, and just kind of keep the chain moving. So really you only got to develop that ace every once in a while, or maybe McKenzie's that guy and Bieber's still uh, very, very good. This is a good pitching staff. I like the pitching staff. I don't know how much I trust this offense. I know that probably sounds like sour grapes, but Ahmed Rosario was fine. Um, I think he can be decent. He's going into a walk here, which is, seems hard to believe. Um, so we'll see what that looks like. But they've got a lot of shortstop depth behind him, so maybe they shop him. Maybe they let him walk. I, I don't know what will happen there. Obviously, you know, Jose Ramirez is the one to fear here, but beyond that, um, you know, is Josh Bell or Josh Naylor, are either of those guys anything more than just pretty decent offensive first base DH types? Um, Andre Semenes, I really like. Honestly, I think he and, and Ahmed Rosario should probably switch spots in the order. Um, beyond that, I mean, Oscar Gonzalez, Miles Straw, Mike Zanino for a bottom third of the order that doesn't really do anything for me. And then their bench, uh, Will Brennan is interesting. Obviously a prospect that they like um, a fair amount. Tyler Freeman, Gabriel Arias, Arias excuse me. And then Zach Collins, uh, the former White Sox, backing up behind the plate. Honestly, I, I don't look at an offense that has enough depth, if if anything happens to one of their main guys, to, to withstand outside of really, really having to hope that a prospect hitter like Naylor, um, I'm trying to think of who else they have here. I'm kind of scrolling down because they've got a few guys. Uh, Brian Ro- Rocchio, um, Angel Martinez, he's down at, he's in double A. Um, George Valera, a lot of these guys that I've heard of who, um, you know, they're probably the next wave for Cleveland, but haven't broken through yet. I think Brennan's part of that. Um, but it's asking an awful lot for youngsters to hit the ground running. Twins fans have seen that here for years as well. So yeah, that that's how I would rank the AL central Royals Tigers, basically stuck together at fourth and fifth White Sox third guardians second. And I think your Minnesota twins will be in first. So let's uh, let's do this. Let's let's take a, a second here and then we'll wrap with our listener questions of the evening. But first let's talk about FanDuel. Now, we're coming up on March Madness very quickly. Like, you might be consuming this pod at the time that there are first four games being played, first round games, who knows? So get those brackets, get those parlays in, and make sure you check out fanduel.com slash locked on. You get a first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Your no-sweat first bet is up to $1,000 in bonus bets. So, again, go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Lots of options at this time of year, NBA, NHL, um, MLB, right around the corner. Uh, I haven't checked, but World Baseball Classic could be something to – they really do touch a lot of the bases for uh, daily fantasy sports and different things that you can play and bet on. So, again, make every moment more. Check out FanDuel, your no-sweat first bet, and get your um, your bonus bets. So make sure you check that out. All right, so to bring it full circle quickly here because we're running a little short on time, uh, these are the listener questions, third segment of every show up until the regular season gets started. Then we'll restructure things uh, just a little bit. Josiah Waldner wants to know, 
why doesn't Major League Baseball allow GMs to trade picks? He wants to see AJ Preller, so that's the Padres head honcho, uh, use his 2027 first round pick at the deadline. Um, I don't know that I have a great answer for that, other than that they don't want teams selling picks to the highest bidder and making money and turning it into, oh, the Yankees win the World Series and then have pick number two because they threw a bunch of money at it. Um, but I don't, I don't know outside of, you know, there's there's draft picks that would change hands back in the day with compensation. I don't know if it goes back to that. Um, I don't know. I mean, trading the 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 kind of like the phantom picks they make. I'm trying to think competitive balance picks. There's been you know mixed results there, but um, I don't know. I wouldn't be against it if I thought it could be used in good faith, but, um, you know, have MLB front offices and, and, uh, separately owners, have they operated in a way that we should give them that good faith? I can't say for sure. And I wouldn't want to institute it and have one year of it being blatantly abused, take it away and realize that a, a huge mistake had been made. But, um, what I come back to is I think they don't want teams selling picks to the highest bidder just to hoard cash, which, that was, that was an explanation a few years ago that I had been told. Obviously, the game has gone through a couple CBA since then, so rules are different. But I don't know. I I don't I kind of like how it is now where you can trade um, competitive balance picks. And maybe I would do outside the first round. I, I really don't want to see first-round picks getting getting traded in MLB, and I probably don't have a good reason to justify that. It just it doesn't sit right with me. Um, Josiah also wants to know, Josiah is great, by the way. Let's give him credit. He always comes with good questions. How surprised are you that Brent Hedrick was trip optioned to AAA after only a cup of coffee and double A? They have to be huge believers in him. Well, yeah. I mean, it was pretty obvious that there was not going to be a spot in the bullpen for him, but triple A as opposed to double A. When you got a guy on the 40, and let's see, I'm trying to remember how old he is, because I don't think he's particularly young. We'll pull up roster resource again here. And um, Roster Resource says he is 25, uh, just a shade over 25. So, yeah, it to me doesn't – it's not all that surprising. Also, too, if he's not going to be a starter, you know, maybe you give him that shot out of the pen when an, uh, an opening comes up, maybe sometime in June or May. Um, and it's easy enough to send a reliever back to, to Wichita if it comes down to it. But at his age and the, the faith they have – and putting him in the on the forty man roster in the first place, um, I really see no reason for Brent Hedrick to have uh, not been optioned to St. Paul. Um, Devlin Clark, another good friend of the show, wants to know: Do you think that Correa re-upping and Buxton having uh, a long term deal means it makes Minnesota a more appealing place for future free agency, given that they have two potential bona fide superstars? I say potential just because. People will always come back, well, if Buxton's not healthy, he's not a superstar, whatever. When both of those guys are playing like they can play their superstars. Um, it also helps, too, that neither of them are on, uh, you know, like a 10-year, $500 million deal like Shohai Otani might get where the owner can cry poor and say, well, we can't add any more talent. The Twins are not in a place like that. They can add another truly great player, whether it's a, a starting pitcher, um, if Correa moves in the infield, another shortstop. I I don't know. And that part of the, the looking into future moves is we don't know 
where the Twins are going to have a need. We we mentioned this on uh, on Monday that you know what will the deadline look like? No idea because right now I like the Twins' depth, and if everyone were to stay healthy, which we know is not going to happen, it's hard to really see the Twins making a big trade because you kind of got to like the depth they have right now. So, do I think it'll give the Twins more pull with future free agents? Yeah, I mean, winning will help. Money, money is the the ultimate factor. Um, whether you agree with or disagree with that general concept, uh, it's just the truth. But I don't think it'll hurt. I think it'll definitely help. I just don't know if they don't use that help. It doesn't mean it wouldn't have helped. If that makes sense, I don't want. I want to make sure that I say it. It may help, but they may not need it because if they have enough depth, they will continue to, you know, churn number two starters and hope that they become number ones and that sort of thing. Um, Devlin says, do you think that given the twins real depth and the last 12 to 18 months, the front office has been aggressive. Will that pattern continue if they're in contention or leading the division at the deadline? Um, So a little bit of a re-spin of a question that we answered on Monday. Um, The twins do have depth. I agree. Um, They've been aggressive, but still have depth. I think those two things, um, in conjunction with each other are interesting because you see Christian Encarnacion strand uh, mashing for the Reds in spring training and Spencer Steer got to the big leagues last year. And so the fact that the twins made some fairly sizable trades and still maintained a solid farm system and even added to it with the, the Luis Arise Pablo Lopez trade. Um, I think that they're going to keep doing what they keep doing. They believe in their approach. It's, not unlike Joe Maurer taking a first pitch fastball down the middle. If it's what you do, it's what you do. And if you're good at it, why should you change? Now, the caveat is, after the last two years, how convinced are you that these guys are good at it? I like the process. I like the ideas. If I were in charge, it would probably look something like this. But I get that that Twins fans are like, this isn't working. Try something different. You know, it's not. it's not like they've been watching – the 2011, 12, 13, 14 twins. But once you get to that mountaintop of 100 wins and make the playoffs back-to-back years, expectations do jump a little bit. I'm not one of those World Series or bust guys. Um, And if you get to the playoffs and don't win any games, sometimes that's just what happens. But I see and hear what twins fans are frustrated about. And part of me is like, yeah, you know, you do want to get that proverbial monkey off your back and start looking like a team that belongs in the postseason when you get there. So I think they'll keep on keeping on, but they have made adjustments along the way. Trades for Jake Odorizzi are now trades for Pablo Lopez. I think that's upping the ante a little bit. Um, Signing Josh Donaldson, signing Carlos Correa, again, upping the ante a little bit. Um, Once you figure out what pool you can swim in and what temperature you like, swimming as hard as you can, probably the approach. So uh, I think they'll keep doing what they're doing. And I think it's going to pay off this year, hopefully in a big way. And then finally, Boldy season, a a good friend on Twitter says, are the White Sox mid? Yes, they definitely are mid. Uh, (laughs) I know. I think it's funny. um, I haven't finishing third. So I guess that's the definition of mid in the division. That is not only the the definition of mid based on skill, but literally in America. The definition of mid, middle of the country. So, yes, the White Sox are, are 
the middle team in the most mid division in the division that is middle most in the United States. The White Sox are unequivocally mid. All right, so here's the question we're going to leave you with tonight. Who do you think will lead the Twins in home runs in 2023? Now, what I want to know, who's your favorite, like your, your betting odds on favorite? Do you like Byron Buxton, Jose Miranda, Carlos Correa, or Joey Gallo maybe? Or do you have a sleeper candidate, someone where you're like, yeah, I think everything's going to come together for Max Kepler and he's going to pop, pop off like he did in 2019. I want to know who your favorite is and then a sleeper candidate. Now, with that said, we are finished here. That's a wrap for Locked on Twins for March 14th. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you follow at Locked on Twins, at Locked on Min, M-I-N, and Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. That's me. And give us a five-star review with whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, check out all these other shows. You got Locked on Vikings, Locked on Wild, Wolves. You name it, we've got it. And then you got the guys, uh, Ron Johnson, Sam Ekstrom, Luke Inman, and Reggie Wilson doing their thing too. Just a lot of big stuff going on here. Check us out. Five-star reviews, thumbs up, subscribe. Whatever you can do for us, we're more than elated and thrilled to have your help. Now, with that said, this is Brandon Warren signing off saying thank you so much. And don't forget to stop by tomorrow to Locked On Twins, your team every day.